told us. Uh, registrations are open for that online at elamchristiancenter.org.nz. Just look up one conference, it's easier. Just Google search that. It's easier than typing in that really long uh, thing. But also, well, if you want to be a part of the Dream Team for that, I want to encourage you, please sign up for that. We would love to have our Pukekohe family come out uh, to Botany for that. And in fact, we're going to be doing a bus for our Dream Team members. So make sure you sign up for that, and then we'll let you know more about it. If you want to, you can go out to the Connect station and fill in a Connect card, and we'll contact you in the week for that. But uh, also today is small group leader sign up, as the video said. So just by show of hands, who here is a small group leader? Awesome. Friend, we honor you today. There's some incredible small group leaders here. Friend, if you feel the call to join or be a part of a small group or lead a small group, again, we want to encourage you to do that as well. Awesome. 9 a.m. service, my favorite service. Don't tell the 10.30, but you guys smile a lot more than the 10.30. And they get a bit of an extra sleep in, so I don't know why they're not smiling more. All right, who's ready for God's Word this morning? Oh, let me say that again. Who's ready for God's Word this morning? Friend, you should know me by now. I, not, I like a little bit of a noise. I like a bit of uh, feedback as I preach. Just keeps it a bit more interesting than hearing this guy just talk the whole time. Uh, before we get into the Word this morning, why don't I pray? Lord, we thank you this morning that you're in this place. We thank you for... Uh, Lord, just for that word this morning, O oh God, Lord, we do declare that you're the King, uh, you reign supreme, and God, we do declare, O oh God, that we will remember the things which you've done, and God, we'll strengthen and gird ourselves up in faith. Uh, God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray that as we uh, come around the time of your word, Lord, I pray that, God, you'd sharpen hearts, sharpen minds, and sharpen our understanding this morning, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Awesome. We're going to jump straight into our text this morning. I'm going to do it a little bit different. Usually I'll butter you up first with a little bit of a funny story, but we're going to jump straight to the Word of God. So it's up on the screen or in your notes on the app. It says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 40 to 56. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could no longer go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at the feet of Jesus. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him, and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, she's asleep. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead, but he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit then returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. God bless the reading of his word this morning. You know, church, my beautiful five-year-old daughter, she loves this story. In fact, this story is her favorite story, and my favorite story is the story about the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, in fact, she loves this story so much so. Now, let me tell you, I'm Pentecostal, so Pentecostal that I drive my car on E and hope that God will supernaturally provide the means of movement. 
But my daughter, she's crazy costal. Listen, I didn't, I didn't birth this in her. I didn't encourage her to do this. But one night we were reading this story, our favorite stories together. And she suddenly started to line up all the teddies in her room along her bed. And she said, Daddy, I'm going to pray like Jesus prayed. And so she went along and she said, in the name of Jesus, little teddy bear, get up. Now, let me tell you this morning, if there ever was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit or revival which happened in my day, I was right in the middle of it. She started uh, praying for these teddy bears. Some of them received Jesus. Some she hit a little bit too hard. She started praying for their healing. Some of them started speaking in tongues. Some of them got up speaking in strange voices. And she said, no word of a lie. She stretches out her hand and she goes, come out in the name of Jesus. Listen, we were so invested in this story. We were laughing, enjoying each other's company, enjoying the word of God, enjoying the God's presence together. And then all of a sudden, this all came to a halt. It all came to a sudden stop when the most gut-wrenching but innocent words came out of my little girl's mouth. In fact, it pierced my soul. She said, Daddy, it's my turn. I'll be the little girl who dies, and you can be the dad. How many people know this morning that truth is often palatable until it becomes relatable? You know, I was so taken back. I was so stopped in my tracks by what she had just said to me, so much so that, in fact, as I went over to read this story again, I found myself not only as a reader of the word, but as a participant right in the middle in the heart of it. I had found myself once again reading through the story, embracing and experiencing the weight and the emotions. I had found myself, church, as a dad coming to Jesus, pleading and seeking for a miracle for my little girl's life. And this, if you're looking for a title of this message this morning, friend, I've titled it this, Barriers to Faith. Everyone say Barriers to Faith. You know, one of the things that I was heavily challenged by, or one of the things that I was, as I journeyed through the story again, one of the things that I noticed and one of the things that becomes obvious and apparent is that there were many obstacles and barriers that Jairus had to come, overcome in order to get this, little, this miracle for his little girl. In fact, if he'd, allowed it to, if he'd allowed it to, it could have crippled him, deterred him, stopped him in his track, discouraged him, and hindered him from his faith in God. And in fact, hindered him from seeing this miracle take place. In fact, I want to tell you this morning that I now want to say that Jairus overcomes some barriers in his faith that we all must face and we all face when it comes to our faith in God, to believing in him, to trusting in him, and to seeing him do breakthroughs in our life. In fact, the first barrier that I see as I've read through this story, one that Jairus was confronted by was the barrier of position. Everyone say position. No, verse 42 tells us that Jairus is what's known as a synagogue leader. In other words, within the community, he's a man of status, a man of stature, a person of influence, a person of reputable reputation. He has a reputation to uphold. He has a title to preserve. He has a view of others to maintain. His position this morning means that he can't afford in slipping up and being seen near or even with Jesus, let alone in this very moment, coming and falling at the feet of Jesus and asking for his help. In fact, I want to say that what Jairus truly faces when it comes to the barrier of position is one that we all wrestle against. And friend, it's this, it's pride. See, pride says, will I allow my position, my reputation, my comfort get in the way of me pressing into God? I want to ask you this morning, friend, have you found yourself this morning in a place where you're living out of your own purpose, your own strength, your own wisdom, your own ability, your own effort, your own plans and purposes for your life. Because can I suggest to you this morning that, friend, perhaps what you've found yourself coming up against is pride. 
Pride says things like, I don't need God because I'm doing fine. I've done this on my own. Look what I've built for myself. I know better. I think better. I can do this better and I can do this on my own. How many people know that Proverbs 16 verse 18 says this? Pride goes before destruction. Steph, my wife and I, uh, we often get into some strongly heated disagreements. Some may call it arguments. We butt heads a lot. And just in case, just to give a bit of clarity, Steph's like the ram, I'm like the innocent lamb. Uh, But if you're like me this morning, friend, you realize halfway through that conversation that in fact you were the one that was in the wrong. But because of your stubborn pride and because of you wanting to be in control of the situation, you refuse to back down from your position because again, it's that struggle against pride. Here's the truth today. Pride at its heart will always exalt oneself above any other. And so I'm here to encourage somebody this morning. Friend, the solution to your pride is to walk with humility. Jairus, though a man of highly regarded position and status, comes humbly before the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He comes to the feet of Jesus and asks for his help. I really feel and sense this morning that there's some people in this room and you need to begin to reach out to the godly community in your life and ask for help. It's not in my, in my notes, it's from the Lord. First Peter 5 verse 5 to 7, it says this, be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he is the one who cares for you. Friend, it's the barrier of position. Second barrier I see as Jairus confronts and overcomes is this, it's the barrier of tradition. Everyone say tradition. See, understand this morning that as a synagogue leader, part of his responsibility was to organize the formation of worship. And so what you understand when it comes to tradition is that culturally, traditionally, and more so for Jairus in this case, as a religious leader who who was instructed with the responsibility of organizing worship, is the understanding that you do not bow your knee before any other, but only before God. And this, friend, raises the question for me, what was it that Jairus saw in Jesus? Could it be this morning that perhaps as Jairus surrenders it all? Perhaps as he throws it all on the line and as he bows his knee before the king, can I submit to you today that perhaps as he caught sight of Jesus, he knew and he bowed his knee knowing that it was truly God before whom he was bowing. See, write this down this morning. Tradition will always disable me from pressing into God. Tradition, friend, will always disable you from pressing into God. See, what tradition looks like in the 21st century is this. It looks like a life and a faith which is lived on autopilot. I've ticked off my Sunday gathering. I've ticked off going to a small group. I've ticked off praying in the morning. Tradition then, friend, doesn't it sound an awful lot like religion? See, I love worship. In fact, I used to be a worship pastor until my church gave me the silent redundancy. I used to hold the mic at the front, then I went to holding a guitar, then I went to holding back tears as I sat on the front row. Uh, and then they noticed that I had, was holding back tears, so they sent me to the kids' area. Said, sort it out over there. But I love worship. In fact, my, my car, I call it my secret place because that's where I worship the Lord. And I'll tune my, I'll tune my stereo to my FM, sorry, Life FM, not about that flavor or my FM life, sanctified, healed, delivered. Um, but I'll tune my radio to Life FM. I'll start to bout out the bridges to like all, those, all the worship songs. But have you ever noticed, friend, I often notice this with myself. Here's what I find myself doing. I'll begin from singing from a place where I hold and recognize the weight, value, and meaning behind the words that I'm singing and slowly shift into simply singing another words to another song. See, here's the truth. Here's the truth this morning. Our worship begins from a place where we recognize the weight, 
the value and the meaning. See, often things in our life with God without weight, value, and meaning become religious activity over relational intimacy. Let me ask you this morning, where in your life today have you started to live your life in faith by words and actions which no longer appreciate the weight, the meaning, or the value of what you're doing? Friend, can I ask you this morning, has time in the Word, has your intentions and your heart towards worship, has your uh, motivation to serve, have your freedoms to pray become more about religious activity than it is about relational intimacy? See, I love that as a church, we're unashamedly about pointing people towards Jesus. And at the end of the service, we always give an opportunity for that. But can I ask you today, church, as a collective, do we clap out of tradition or do we clap because salvation still holds weight, meaning and value to our own lives? Do we remember when we clap for that person that said to Jesus, the moment that you and I got set free, the moment that we went from lost to saved, do we remember those moments? Is it tradition or is it relational intimacy with the Almighty God? See, I pray this morning that we would be a people who hold weight, value and meaning in every area of our faith and life this morning. It's the barrier of tradition. Third barrier we see Jairus overcome is this. It's the barrier of delay. Everyone say delay. See, I can only imagine Jairus in this situation. Now, I wouldn't be as humble as Jairus was in letting Jesus be interrupted. I've just made it through the crowds, the multitudes. I've finally got into Jesus and gotten Jesus' attention. Jesus has now agreed to go with me to the house where my little girl's dying. And so on the way, we see the house in sight. We see the miracle in sight and the breakthrough in sight. And now, all of a sudden, there's a delay. Jesus is stopped in his tracks by a woman with the issue of blood. See, I can only empathize with Jairus. Now, me and Jairus' shoes, I would say something along the lines of, look, lady, you've had your issue for 12 years. My daughter, she's 12 years old. She's dying. We're in the middle of doing something right now. Can't you maybe hold on for another 12 minutes? Leave your name, your number, and I'll get back to you after the beep. But here's Jairus left waiting. He's delayed in this road to his breakthrough for his little girl. Now, I bet every single one of us this morning can be familiar with delays, familiar with waiting. Perhaps you've waited on a person, waited on your wife in Kmart, waited on a visa, waited on promotion, waited on unanswered prayers and on breakthroughs. Why is Jairus now left waiting? Friend, you've got to know tonight, this morning, that Jesus allows this divine disruption only to increase Jairus's faith. See, look at the parallel between the two stories. Here's a 12-year-old girl waiting for her miracle. Here's a woman who has had her issue for 12 years that Jesus now heals. And in fact, I really believe that this was a moment to build faith. Jesus was demonstrating to Jairus, Jairus, if I can heal this woman of her issue of 12 years, then you better believe today that I can heal your daughter of 12 years old because I'm big enough for both. I really believe that there's some people and you've been watching on of, uh, at other people's miracles and you've been thinking, man, why are they getting the miracle? Is my blessing dependent on their cursing or is their cursing dependent? Listen, friend, God's big enough for both. You know, there's people in this room, you've been in a season of waiting and have felt delayed, and I feel the Lord saying, would you look on at what I've done? And it was so prophetic what was shared this morning. Would you look on what I've done in your life? Because you need to know today that waiting was only ever meant to grow and increase your faith. Your delays are not your denial. Come on, God has a plan for every single one of you. Understand, people of God, that your faith is not built on outcomes. It's not dictated by outcomes. Your faith is built on the faithfulness of our God. If, faithful, if God promised it, friend, he's faithful to bring it to fulfillment. God will bring things to pass in his perfect timing. It's the barrier of delay. Fourth thing that we see him overcome, Jairus, is the barrier of death. You want to say death? 
See, verse 49 tells us that while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Perhaps this morning you've held on to a dream, a vision, a hope, an expectation that was once alive but now feels prematurely dead in its pursuit. Friend, I'm here to remind you this morning the words of Jesus, John 11, 25. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Friend, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You know, what that means this morning is where you may have seen an end to something, God sees a new beginning. Where you may have seen an end to the road, God sees a new journey ahead. Friend, where you thought the dream may have died, God says, I'm breathing new life onto that thing. Friend, God is saying this morning, will you trust me? Will you allow my perfect will to be established in your life? Because it might look dead and helpless and hopeless, but I'm the God of all hope. You've got to understand today that it is only by death that we see him as the resurrection and life. The fifth thing is this, the final thing is this. It's the barrier of unbelief. Everyone say unbelief. See, Luke chapter 9, verse 52 to 53 says this. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead. You can probably think of people, now I often do this, I can think of people who I'd like to run a million miles away from when they're approaching me because you know if you get into a conversation with that person, you're just never leaving that spot for the next hour. You know that if you get into a conversation, it's gonna be very exhausting. It'll leave you feeling empty. Obviously not here because we are a home for everyone. Elam Christians, you know, we're a community. Uh, we love everybody. But yet on the other hand, friend, you can think of people in your life who you can't get enough of. People who fill your tank. People whose very words and presence lift your soul. See, can I suggest to you this morning that sometimes it's not your unbelief, but the unbelief of those who you choose to surround yourself with. Jairus and this little girl were surrounded by people, but they were people who didn't carry faith to see Jesus uh, let this miracle take place. Can I ask you today, are you a carrier or are you a barrier? Are you a carrier of faith for the people around you or are you a barrier to the, of unbelief? Are you life-giving to those who come into your presence or are you life-exhausting? Do you carry faith to see God do the impossible for people around you? Friend, let me ask you this morning, are there people in your world that are holding you back from stepping into everything that God is calling you to do? See, I find it interesting this morning that of the many people that were present that day, Jesus chooses. In fact, he was deliberate as to who would make it into the room as he raises this little girl from the dead. Now, I wonder today if there are some people in this room, and friends, you need to choose. Choose the people who will make it into the room with you and choose the people who will watch on from the distance as God makes and does his thing in your life. See, how do you decide that this morning? Friend, choose people and friendships that are willing to do everything to get you closer and bring you closer to the heart of God and put distance between you and those who don't. You know, I love this, and I'll finish with this if the keys could join me. 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us this. When we're faithless and if we feel faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. He does not deny himself. There's be a people today in the face of unbelief to stand and believe God at his word, declaring, believing, and remembering who he is. It's a barrier of unbelief. See, at every turn of Jairus' story, he faces barriers, barrier of position, tradition, delay, death, and unbelief. If you're in this moment now and you're thinking, Kaylin, you've given us heaps of problems. I identify with all those problems. What's my solution? Where do I start? Well, friend, just the other week I was driving home from church and I'd found myself in my car and I put on a song. I started to sing those simple words again. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. 
where it's all about you. It's all about you. Then I began to ask God, God, strip away the things in my life that I've prioritized in my life that don't reflect or bring me closer to you. God showed me a whole million things that were in the way at that point. But here's the truth. Here's what I realized in that moment. Friend, I realized that I had a Savior. And if I have a Savior, then all I need to do is surrender. You need to know today, friend, that you have a Savior. And it starts with surrender. Surrender again before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, he could have given up, but every barrier he kept going, he kept believing, knowing the one that he walked with, knowing that Jesus was with him every step of the way. Now, I had to ask myself this question, finishing with this. If Jairus' daughter was truly dead, then why does Jesus say that the little girl was only sleeping? In fact, the beauty is in the answer, and the answer is in what Jesus does and says next. See, Jesus sits down beside the girl. He takes her by the hand, and he says, little girl, wake up. Little girl, get up, wake up. In the original language, it's, it's the Aramaic, and the word is talitha kum. Now, talitha means little girl, but it doesn't truly give us a sense. The English language doesn't give us the true sense of what Jesus is saying. See, talitha is a word of intimacy. It's a word of a, it's a diminutive endearment as if a mother saying to her little girl, a better rendering of this word is then, honey, sweetie, darling, my child. Kum is better translated to being arise. See, Jesus is doing what any child's parent would do on a sunny morning. He sits down, he takes her by the hand, and he says, Talitha kum, honey, sweetie, darling, my child, it's time to get up. And she does. See, Jesus in this encounter is saying and stating by his actions, friend, if I have you by the hand, then death itself is nothing but sleep. See, Jesus in this moment is displaying both his power and authority over, his, over death. But more than that, he's showing us and revealing to us each his heart, his grace, his care, his compassion, his empathy towards this little girl and towards you and I today. No, just at the beginning of this year, we'd been through a journey of, of pregnancy and just before you chair, she's not pregnant now. But um, at 20 weeks, we'd, discovered that our little girl's heartbeat had stopped beating. And so obviously our world was turned upside down. And how many people know that that could have been a barrier to our faith? And we were trying to, and we were throwing around names, but one of the things that we said as we discovered what Talitha Coombe was, we said we're naming her Talitha Coombe. Because again, if Jesus has her by the hand, then death itself is nothing but sleep. Here's the reassurance this morning, friend. If Jesus has you by the hand, death itself is nothing but sleep. I'm going to ask in this moment with every head bowed and every eye closed. I really believe two things. Firstly, there's some of you, and I really believe that this is a moment of surrender. Again, to surrender in knowing that you have a Savior. Then I'm going to pray for a second group of people. But if you found yourself in these oppositions and these obstacles towards your faith, friend, I'd love to pray for you this morning. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every single person this morning. God, we thank you for the faith that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your son and the sacrifice that you made. God, I pray this morning that we would recognize once again that we were lost, but now we're found. God, we would recognize again that we can't save ourselves from these things, but you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, you can save us from these things. And so simply what we do today is we surrender again to your lordship, to your kingship. God, we thank you for every single person this morning, still with every head bowed and every eye closed. Friend, I want to ask you this morning, if you were to breathe your last today, where would you breathe your next? 
See, the Word of God tells me that if we believe in Jesus, if we trust in Him and put our faith in Him, if we were to breathe our last today on earth, we'd breathe our next in eternity. In fact, I want to give you an opportunity this morning for anyone who doesn't know Jesus. Perhaps you're in this room, you once knew Jesus, but you know you're not, life's not right with Him. I'm going to invite you into a prayer. And this prayer simply declares your intention to follow Him as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to count down from three. And if that's you this morning, if you're saying, Kaylin, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to begin a relationship with Him. All you need to do is just lift your hand. Here you go. Three, two, one. See anyone saying, awesome, God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. See anyone else this morning saying, Kaylin, count me in. Come on, friend. If Jesus has you by the hand, enough death itself is nothing but sleep. See anyone else this morning? Awesome. Well, I'm going to pray for you this morning. Um, so if you're making that prayer, if you're making that confession for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, can I encourage you to believe this from the bottom of your heart? God, I thank you for every single decision made for you this morning. Lord, I thank you for the turning away of our old life and turning into the embrace of your arms. God, today we confess that we're sinners in need of a Savior. God, we thank you that thanks to you, today's a new day, that we're set free in Jesus' name. God, we honor you this morning for every single hand lifted and every single person making that decision. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.